This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The capital season comes to a conclusion against Boston in Game 5. Good morning, everybody. Here on Caps this morning on May 24th, 2021, the Capitals are done for the summer as the Capitals fall in game five in the first round, Ben, and some knee-jerk reactions. This is going to be a little bit of a different kind of show than what we've been doing here on Caps this morning. This is obviously a season ender. There will be a lot of time to dissect things further, and we will do that through the course of the summer. We may not be a daily show anymore, but periodically we will stop by and we will still have our two cents on what's going on with the team. But this was a disappointing loss, a disappointing series. The Capitals retooled the coaching staff. They retooled the lineup. They acquired Anthony Mantha at the trade deadline, and it was all done with the idea that they were poised for a long playoff run. And here they are now done in the exact amount of time that it took in the Toronto bubble out in the first round in five games. And boy, there are a lot of questions coming up in this offseason. Yeah, I think my reaction to the game and the end of the season, the series itself, John, is that ultimately I think there were a few question marks coming into the series from a Caps perspective regarding the health of several headliners. If you recall, late in the season, there were some games they were down to just 11 forwards being available due to some salary cap restrictions as well. But we know there were several headliners who were dealing with some ailments, some injuries, you had the COVID list, you had the COVID issue with Kuznetsov and Samsonov weren't available down the stretch. And I just felt, and we talked about it on this show, at the end of the season, ideally, you're fine-tuning things. You're just finalizing chemistry, timing, et cetera, in that final game or two of the regular season. And for the Capitals, it just seemed like it was always a little bit of a, a jumbled lineup down the stretch, the final couple of weeks of the regular season, really. And they didn't seem to be a well-oiled machine going into the postseason, whereas the Boston Bruins really were. They were healthy for the first time all year. Their trade deadline acquisitions were fitting in seamlessly. Their final month, Boston, was their best month of the season. And that seemed to carry over, propel them into the playoffs. And in this first-round series, even though certainly the first three games you could make the case were toss-ups with all three being decided in overtime – You got the sense, John, as the series went along, the Bruins were the stronger team. Their headliners were getting better and getting stronger as the series wore along. And you wonder for the cap side, if you could say the same thing, you can't to the capitals. It was apparent as the series went along running out of some gas, uh, a last, gasp effort in game five a a formidable effort from the caps but ultimately the bruins are a strong team and and they proved it they showed it in this five game series it was a formidable effort i wanted to see a little bit more of that urgency earlier in the game i thought they picked it up as they came into the second period they were getting more shots and in the third period they really did but again the big dogs in, in the top six we didn't see enough from we didn't see enough on the power play 0 for 4 in falling in game five last night So a lot of the same themes that we've been talking about on the show for weeks, third periods weren't this team's friend in this entire series. They had leads that got away, similar to what they did in the regular season. And yeah, we're going to know in the coming days when we hear exit interviews and you want to hear from different players, you know, so-and-so was hurt and this guy had this. I mean, there's no question that TJ Oshie was not 100% healthy. There's no question that Lars Eller was not 100% 
100% healthy. I doubt that Nick Backstrom was 100% healthy. So it's very difficult to be able to win a playoff series when your big guys are not 100%. But part of the Stanley Cup playoffs and what the Caps did in 2018, I mean, they weren't entire, they were more healthy than they are now, but they, it's not like they didn't have some roster adversity along the way, like Wilson suspensions and Backstrom injuries even then. So as this series concludes, you're kind of left feeling a little empty here that you had a chance at first place. You had a chance for a different matchup and then you drew Boston and you knew it would be tough. And the Bruins, even though the series was very close to the beginning, ultimately made short work of the caps. And again, talking about those headliners, the top six, you could do this for both sides, John. I mean, the, the, the capitals, you go to the start of the series, Tom Wilson had an even strength goal, six twenty-two into game one for the rest of the series. The Boston Bruins' top six outscored the Capitals' top six, 8 nothing at even strength after Tom Wilson scored six minutes into the series. From that point on, Capitals went dry at even strength as far as their headliners, as far as their top six. He had a couple of power play goals from Ovechkin. He had a power play tally from TJ Oshie mixed in there. But as far as five-on-five five even strength, the Boston Bruins had the finish. Capitals did not. And then you wonder, all right, well, how about the power play? Well, no, the Capitals didn't get much out of the power play either. Three for 21 in the series. And it wasn't only, John, that they didn't convert. They didn't score on many of their power play opportunities. They didn't create much. You'd hope maybe to build momentum off of the power play chances that you had. And they didn't. And in game four, they had two power plays in the first six minutes in a game they needed to have. They came up empty. They didn't convert no momentum. And then last night in game five, again, season on the line in the first period, they drew three Boston penalties and they come up empty on all three full two minute power play opportunities. They came up empty and soon after early in the second period, Boston scored and Bruins were off and running. The hard part for me, Ben, and again, these are knee-jerk reactions. We're going to get into things like Ovechkin contract and improving team speed and finding a veteran goalie and all of those things that the Capitals no doubt will do. There are changes coming. You don't have three straight first-round exits and stand pat. So, I mean, you know that those are coming. I just It boggles my mind that we are sitting here now with a first-round exit in five games where in Toronto – in July, in the bubble, a matchup with the Islanders and the Capitals did not have a good series with the Isles. Todd Reardon was dismissed. The Capitals wanted to upgrade to have a veteran coach instead of a first-time head coach. They did that. They improved the roster by bringing in a guy like Anthony Mantha, who has all this tremendous upside. You bring in a Michael Roffel. You took a shot at Henrik Lundqvist. You bring in Zidane Chara. Think of all the changes that happened here and here we are this morning talking about a team that did exactly what they did in Toronto. They bowed out in five games. I, I will say during the regular season, I, I think if we look at the big picture during the regular season, John, we, we didn't anticipate this. It, it felt during the regular season, all right, things were going to be a little different. We lauded Peter Laviolette several times on this show for Bench management, ice time allocation. We saw Jacob Verana sit as a healthy scratch a couple of weeks before he was ultimately dealt to the Detroit Red Wings. If you weren't going to play a certain way, if you weren't committed, we saw in this series, Daniel Sprong sat as a healthy scratch a couple of games because of defensive shortcomings. And I know we had this discussion. I know, John, maybe you feel a lot of people feel they wanted to see Sprong in because of just how much the Capitals were struggling offensively this series. But I, I bring it back to Laviolette to suggest he looks for certain things that maybe were lacking previously when it comes to accountability. And, and we do laud him for that. And 
I'm sure that will continue into his second season here in Washington. As far as in-game adjustments and getting the most out of certain players as well, look, in this series, special teams, a lot of special teams is game planning and, and adjustments, especially within a series. One team sees your power play as frequently as it does. It's a chess match. How do you adjust to combat the penalty kill? Boston made a power play adjustment in this series. They made some changes. They switched David Pasternak from the left wing to the right wing. They gave a different look. They went three for five on the power play in game four. The Capitals power play for the most part, it was the same game in, game out. Small tweaks going into game five, but for the most part, it was the same power play. It was the same look. It was clear Boston had it figured out and the Capitals were struggling. There was a lack of adjustment in that regard, but as far as what Laviolette brings, I give him a vote of confidence heading into year two. I think oh, absolutely. Part, it, was, yeah. it was a good a- Absolutely good on LaViolette. I mean, the special teams power play has got to improve. It is stale. I don't think there's any question that when you look at what they did, Brandon Carlo was right in Sean Corrali was right in Alex Ovechkin's grill. They knew exactly what was happening and nothing changed. The lack of adjustment there, that's got to get better. I mean, you can't have that happen in a postseason series where you have the same thing. I mean, this power play, you said, you know, game after game. I mean, it's been years. I mean, when Alex Ovechkin in his prime, yeah, I mean, you can run him out there and he's going to score. But by the way, they had another adjustment. Boston also overloaded the power play by putting Krejci up there too. And they said, try and stop us. And to great effect, they end up getting three goals in game four that way where they overload power play one. And that was a change that they made, too. So not enough adjustments there. And and ultimately, the special teams didn't work out very well. One of the things, Ben, I enjoyed from last night, and there wasn't a whole lot, but in the handshake line and you knew that and even talking with Joe Haggerty and talking to Judd Surratt on this show leading into the series, they all kind of had the feeling in Boston when he signed within division. He's like, we're going to see this guy in the playoffs. Adeno Chara on the other side. Chara falls to his former team in five games. The handshake line, tremendous human stuff. To be able to see all those guys hugging him, shaking his hand, the coaches all coming over, the warm embraces. That stuff is what makes hockey so great. At the end of what was a war between two really good teams and Boston finished it off quicker than we thought, but it was great to see that lineup last night and all the stuff around Zidane Chara. even though the reasons he came to Washington to make a deep run end up not happening. Yeah, the respect and admiration and appreciation that Chara garners from teammates past and present. It's really unlike any we've seen before. You know, it is certainly among current NHL players, you know, Chara is is so revered across the league and obviously the close relationships he has with the Boston Bruins, that respect is noted there. And it's interesting because Chara, even when he left the Boston Bruins in December, and you, you know, he wanted to go back there. It just didn't work out. His family stayed behind in Boston this season. Ideally, he would have been in Boston for a 15th season. Never said a bad word about the Boston Bruins. The Bruins on the other side of things also just complimentary of Zidane Char. You could tell there's still a respect and a positive relationship there. And to have seen the team as, as often as he did during the regular season, there was just a tremendous respect between them. And that was evident in the handshake line as well. And you wonder what's next for Zidane Char. Now, is there an appetite to return for a 24th NHL season? He'll turn 45 next year. He has the opportunity to Past Chris Chelios, most games played by a defenseman in league history, was very effective as a third-pairing defenseman, particularly during the regular season. You know, maybe dealt with uh, some some limitations here in this playoff series, but um, there's probably still a little bit more hockey left in Shara. You just wonder what the appetite is, where that might be 
Is it here in Washington? Is he interested in going with third different team in three seasons at the end of his career? So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but certainly a lot of respect and, and for good reason for Zidane Ochara, one of the best leaders, one of the best players in the league for two decades plus going. Just the last thought on the game itself, and this is more Bruins in nature, but as Chara moved on, it was universally thought in Boston there was no question that Patrice Bergeron was going to become the captain. This was his first playoff series as captain, and he was tremendous in this game. The two goals leads by example revered in that room. Boston certainly didn't lose anything in terms of leadership with Chara moving on, and you know, that's what leaders do in games like that. You go out and you get the job done. And Patrice Bergeron led the way in getting the game five victory. That's a good team in terms of how it's constructed too, John. The veterans that they still have there between Bergeron and Brad Marchand as well, wearing an A there. And he's got the shenanigans, Marchand, but he's a player. And when it comes down to it, he could play. But in listening to also the Boston Bruins commentary throughout this series, they commented, too, on the fact that Bergeron leads as well as Marchand's line mate. He sometimes has to reel him in, and Marchand listens to Patrice Bergeron. He's got a commanding voice there, does Bergeron, certainly leading by example. And again, a formidable Boston Bruins team, a nice mix of veterans and very good young players, particularly on their back end. I said on the postgame show last night, John, it wouldn't surprise me. We'll see who they get next, Pittsburgh or the Islanders, as those two teams continue to duke it out physically and on the ice. Wouldn't surprise me if this Boston Bruins team has, has a deep run in them. Certainly, they're built for a postseason run. And again, clicking on all cylinders with their leaders and their key cogs all uh, seemingly playing very well here down the stretch and into the playoffs. Well, as we move forward here, there's going to be a lot of things to discuss in the coming weeks, and periodically we will do that. As I said at the beginning, this will not be a daily show in the offseason, but we will still be here, and we thank all of you for listening. And this has been a very fun little project that has grown into something beyond our wildest dreams as far as listenership, Ben. We are among the most listened-to podcasts for hockey in the United States at this point, which I never even envisioned when all of this started. We've had more than 20,000 listeners, and we've only been around since the beginning of March, so very grateful for that. And uh, I still have a game to do. I'm on my way out this morning to head to Connecticut to broadcast Winnipeg and Edmonton tonight, and I may see another handshake line tonight because Winnipeg wins last night in thrilling come-from-behind fashion to win an overtime 5-4 to four over Edmonton. So McDavid on the ropes, and I may end up having a couple things more with NBC before the week is over. But, but we will be back, Ben, here, and we will do this. I thank you for all of your contributions to this little project and we will certainly keep it moving forward but this has been a lot of fun I know it's been fun for you too yeah I agree this has been fun and definitely appreciate all the the feedback we've received from from listeners and on social media etc and I will say final thought for folks who do enjoy the podcast I, I I'm not a big um you know techie guy I, I just we, we talk and then it, it goes on the internet as far as I'm concerned John but I've been told that the ratings and the positive reviews, those also help. So folks who are listening, whether it's uh, via Spotify or Google Play or Apple iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, leave a rating, leave a positive review. Goes a long way, I'm told. So, so we'll look forward to that. And we do appreciate all the, uh, all the feedback. So thank you. 
Well, look at you being a marketing guy. I love that. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate that. So for the regular season and into the postseason, that'll do it for us here on Caps this morning. But we will be back periodically. There's going to be a lot of news happening in the offseason. We will have you covered when news breaks. We will be here. We will be here around trade deadline time. We will be here whenever Seattle has their pick from Washington. We will be talking about that. No doubt some changes coming after three straight first round exits, but uh, we will have it all covered for you here on Caps this morning. Ben, have yourself a wonderful summer, will you? Happy off season, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.